in this episode of Man vs. Marriage. It's the secret of marriage. You're about to get the freaking lowdown, bros. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, the Q-Dog, in the Moran Family Studio with my favorite person in the world, Jean Moran, my wife. Honey, say what's up. It's a new you in 22. I don't really want to say that, though, because these, <laughs> these shows are timeless. So let it ride. Let it ride. So today... We are going to talk to you about the secret of marriage unscripted. And I love, as much as I like to have a plan, there are some of these shows that I think will happen more organically. Um, and it's in, in it being unscripted. And I started to tell you the story, but figured that I would just tell you the story live. And then we could talk about, we could fill everybody in on the secret of marriage because we have all the answers we have no I mean since you brought it up <laughs> I was gonna say, uh-huh. yo Jonathan quick I want you to know I spent a lot of money on one of your goalie sticks bro and uh you know I, I got a lot of respect for Jonathan quick that's all I'm gonna say mm-hmm. I was a fan of his before you ever knew who he was but I'm gonna say this I got a lot of respect for that man as a professional. I don't know him as a person. I have no idea who or how he is, but I do know as a professional, I respect that man. And that is all of that. With that being said, um, I want to talk to you all about the secret to a great marriage, the secret of marriage. And I'm going to set this up with a story. And why are you looking at me doing the happy dance? Okay, I was at the gym. That's still a thing. Um, I was at the gym the other day, and there were a couple of people there. And uh, one gal was using the Stairmaster, and another guy that you know I've recently started talking a little bit more with because he's a Notre Dame fan. I'm an Alabama fan, and he always likes to bust my chops when I come in with Alabama gear. <laughs> with that being said, you know um, we somehow the conversation came up of. You and I, and how long we've been together. And he was like, well, how long have you know you and Jeannie been together? And I said, this year was 22 years. And by that time, you know, the gal that was on the stairs, she had come down the Stairmaster thing, and she was like, wow. And he was like, whoa, that you don't hear about that anymore. That just doesn't happen. Um, and she's like, what's the secret? To a great, what's the secret to, to making that happen? What's the secret to marriage? And I said, well, that is a great question. And then I started rattling some things off, you know, that had to do with, you know, because she was like, is it communication? I mean, she they're really there. Oh, yeah. she The person you're talking about is very much a teach me. I want to learn everything person. Yeah. 
I mean, she was wide open to just a just a captive audience. And I started rattling off some things that, you know, some of the first things that came to my mind. It always has to do with communication. And she was like, is it is it communication? I was like, yeah, it's communication. But really, how how worn out is that word? I mean, that word is so worn out. What's the what's the bad terminology? That's all clapped out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean it's any less important, but man, communication, communication, yeah, communication. What? But what does that really look like? And so I talked to them and I told them, I said, you know, it's really about what you want to create. Um, it's about discussing. It's as much as it's about talking. It's really that really doesn't matter because more and more, it's about what does that person hear. And you got to give them the freedom to say it ugly and then listen to what they heard you say. And you're like, that is not anywhere close to what I said. <laughs> Let me try again. And, the, you know, I, I blurted out a few more things. And then, you know, like I do, I just you know, I have evangelized the podcast. And it's like, you know, things were things shifted so dramatically. We started a podcast and um, they were like, oh, yeah, I saw you printed the shirt. I, I thought that was a joke. And uh, I was like, yeah, I get that. Um, But no, that's us. That's our podcast. It's for real. And then I got to thinking about it later. um, And I was like, man, I hope I didn't do them a disservice. You know, because the the bro, he's um, he's divorced Mm -hmm. and that, you know, his relationship is behind him. And I don't know what her status is. I don't know if she's married or I don't know or what. So. (coughs) Oh, no, 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 no. She's not. No. So with that being said, it's like, look, I need to bring this particular episode. I need to expose our listeners, our faithful listeners, to the secret to marriage. Because I haven't done that before. Not all in like one wrapped up with a bow, you know, in one episode. So the secret to marriage is simply this. There's no secret. There is no secret. It is absolutely hard work. It is. And look, don't turn a freaking show off, bro. Don't stop there. Because I'm still going to give you something. Well, I don't know. Because you could sum it all up in one word. It's commitment. Because you're committed to communicate. You're committed to get better. You're committed to work hard. You're committed to reaching these goals together you're committed to that person so wouldn't that technically be your secret no that's crap hmm. works for me <laughs> i know you are driven <laughs> you're driven by commitment because you constantly refer back to i signed a contract and i get that. that that is a big part for me and it's um it's a reminder too because how many times have we done something or gotten involved in something and and we say I'm committed to this, but then you get in, into it and you're like, ooh, you know what? I don't I don't know if this is right for me. I don't know if this is what I want. I, I just I don't know. And there are things in life, jobs, you know, other um, friendships, whatnot that you can do that with. And you can be like, this is just not for me. But for us, as far as marriage is concerned, I made that commitment going in knowing I said for better or for worse. I didn't say when you piss me off, I'm walking. Thank goodness, because that would have been really fast. 
But, you know, I, I, I get it. It's not an, exactly the secret, but I guess for me, that's what keeps me grounded is knowing I made this commitment and I'm determined to walk it out wholeheartedly, whatever it takes. And I agree. And I and I believe you in that. And here's here's the rough sketch of what what the combination of things are that can almost create your secret to a great marriage. And I believe we have a lot of these principles. Now, you and I don't always do them in unison. You know, there's not always the harmony of all these things. Working. Sometimes we forget. Oh, crap. We knew that. We know not to do that. Yeah. And there's sometimes where, you know, one of us does make one of us mad. And it's for any number of reason. And we speak our peace. And then maybe, you know, the other one says something and we take it the wrong way and we get super butt hurt. And uh, so it's still... We still have to take time. I got a wine stopper for that. Yes, you do have a <laughs> wine stopper for that. <laughs> That'll plug the situation right up. So here is I wanna I want to really paint this picture for you, um, and then I think what we will do. No, not I think what we will do from here is we'll break these six things down at some point and give you really give this to you because. It is high time that we invest ourselves in this particular topic that doesn't seem to be um, popular in today's society. I don't know if it's not popular or if it's just considered fleeting. Okay. I think it's one of those things that people get excited. They want to get married. They meet somebody, and you're in that, you know, ah stage of things. And then you get married, and you realize that it's not the same awe feeling when you get married there's a lot that comes with it and oh crap there's work involved and there's feelings involved and this is not what I planned for and we've gotten as a society it's become very easy to just say okay this isn't working anymore I'm going to sign these papers and you can be on your way well and that is that's exactly the point that I'm making that it is not popular these days personal responsibility dedication you want me to be accountable what's wrong with you exactly personal responsibility accountability commitment those things are not popular and those are things that you sign up for a lifelong commitment you know um when it comes to marriage now there are a few things that can and will dissolve a marriage those are between the particular people i mean we're not will and jada we're not open in our relationship lord no that is not that ain't the way it rolls for us but for them Somehow that's what they got. So each, you know, with each marriage and relationship being unique, there are things that will dissolve it. Otherwise, in the day and time we live in, you know, taking responsibility for yourself and your actions, working hard at something, putting yourself into it, you know, not living by this 15 minutes of fame and everything has to go viral. That is not popular. That's not what's being promoted. That's that is not what is uh, being groomed with people these days. I mean, I would say just young people because we we as as parents and the generation after us are, are raising weak, frail human beings that they have no that they have no resiliency. They're they're very thin skinned. Mm-hmm. They everything is a buzz or a trigger and really just incites meltdown and that that is that's part of being married is 
those are the things that are no longer no longer popular is that you see something through. That's why I say it's not a popular topic. Uh, and I've got a whole show about that. <laughs> but here's stuff running through my head. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should write those things down because we'll discuss them. But if you if you have something to write on, if you're driving, don't try to do this. OK, just uh, take a snapshot in your mind of where we are in the show and then come back to this area. And if I was more sophisticated as a podcaster, I could mark that particular area in the show and you could just go right back to it. But I will get there someday. Here are six things that I believe have dramatically worked in reshaping our marriage and would create a nucleus of what the secret to our marriage would be. I would say it's the secret sauce, but then Jeannie would make a perverted joke. I would laugh at it because it's funny, but then the whole rest of the podcast would just be wrecked because we, every time we would say the secret, we would think about the sauce. <laughs> and it may and have happened already. Put it out there, yep. you've already caused yep, the I've already screwed it up. I already screwed it up. But that's okay. Everything is okay. Don't worry. Okay, so, and these are in no particular order. I don't know. These are like a rotating value, except for the commitment side. I'm going to say... Um, intentionality, action, feedback, communication, sex, and commitment. And I know some of those might cross over, but really, just as a rough sketch, because I just kind of put it together as I was writing my thoughts, those, are the, those six areas, if those are covered, if those are invested in, if that's where you put your money, your currency in your relationship, that could be a rough sketch for the secret to a great marriage. I mean, it true, it thoroughly, thoroughly could. Not only is it for a great marriage, but additionally, it's for raising a great family. These are the things, this is the framework, I would say, and I'm going to write that word down because that, that means a lot to me. This is the framework to the secret. And I believe as we continue to grow in our relationship and we start going out to speak, I think this experience will have caused, you know, something in me to develop whatever, you know, these six these six pieces of framework for the secret of a, of a great marriage can be. Now, I need to get my butt in gear finishing my book. I just need to do that. But I could see something like this being being able being able to revolutionize marriages. But you're right. One of the foundations of this is commitment. Without without that all-in commitment, that 55 principle, you cannot you cannot have success in any adventure that you set out um, to uh, to go on, and that is that is just a fact of life. You got something to say? Yeah, you. The thing about commitment, though, and where I think a lot of the wires get crossed is when you ask somebody what does commitment look like, what society is teaching us is kind of a mixed signal. Like everybody's equal. Okay, cool. I understand that. I agree with you. However, if everyone is equal and everyone gets a trophy for doing the same amount of work or one person does more and everyone is on a, a, an equal playing field, why am I committed to being better or best 
if I'm completely overseen as being the same as everyone else. Um, and then on the, on the flip side of that, there's the diversity thing of everybody's not equal because this group needs to be with this group and this group needs to be with this group. And there's a lot of um, divide being purposefully taught to everybody on, on every line from race, religion, color, ethnicity, sexism. sports, sexism, marriage, um, you know, gender roles, however you want to look at it. Everything is being taught. Now, you go to school and they tell you, be committed to your work, be committed to your success, do your work, do your studies, work harder, you know, be better than everybody else. You'll get the A's, you'll get the grades, whatever. But then at the last minute, the teacher realizes that there's a bunch of people that still aren't getting it, and then they grade on a curve. So everybody gets a little bit higher grade, but the person who did all the work, you kind of get asked out because somebody else, the lower person, made the curve. You know, you look at a marriage, and th this is the difficulty for me, and some of y'all might get pissed at me, and that's okay. I don't care. Um, but there are some marriages where the wife takes on a majority of the home role while he goes to work and takes on providing. That's totally fine. But if there's not an equal split in responsibility, what are your children being taught? They're being taught a divide. They're being taught that my job as a man is to just go to work, make the money, and come home. Now, when you listen, go back in, in your childhood. Now, this is just me, okay? These are the stories I heard, and it wasn't just my dad. It was the guys that used to hang around. Um, he had a, a very specific group of people that I can remember conversations with. And a lot of them... This was the biggest complaint. I don't get any sex. You know, she talks to me like I'm worthless. The only thing she cares about is my freaking paycheck. You know, the only time that she's even paying attention or interested in anything that I'm doing is when I'm taking her somewhere or I buy her something. But what did you train her to do? You built that relationship based on she does all this other stuff. And this is what you do. You go, you go to work, you bring a paycheck home. Where's the connection? I don't want to have sex with you if you and I aren't connected. If you and I are not on the same page and I don't feel like I matter to you mm -hmm. and we're not communicating properly and we don't have those moments. I mean, even the funny moments, a lot of the time, that's where some of our, our best connections happen is when we're laughing. And then that turns into something more romantic just because that's who we are. That's what we yeah. feed off of. But if you don't have that and that's what you've, you teach people how to treat you. I mean, Rita's words ring all the time. That's the dynamic that people learn. Now, on the flip side, you have some women who are so interdependent or in independent because he's out working or he's gone all the time and, he and he's doing his thing and she's doing her thing. Where are you married? Mm -hmm. If you're two separate lives living in the same roof raising children, where is the marriage and what are your children seeing? So as a society, that's what we're teaching is we're, we're committed to ourselves, not to each other. Yeah. You know, we're committed to our job. We're committed to our success. We're committed to making money. We are committed to making sure the house is clean. We are committed to making sure that everybody gets where they need to go. But we're not committed to each other. And eventually you end up being strangers. So even the marriages that do last a long time, they're not really marriages. They're just two people sharing a house. 
Yeah, and I I don't disagree with you there. It's there. <coughs> you have to. You really have to. Um, you have to put the work into designing the relationship that you want. Now, and I agree with you. Within society, there's like this major push towards feminism. It's it's. I know it's been going on for a long time. And, and there's value in creating women that are independent, that can take care of themselves, that um, have the ability to go out and accomplish big things. I, obviously, I believe in that. I have seven girls. But there's also a place with that woman where a man is the support system and is helpful and encouraging and building and constructing that because that's her, her call. It's no different on either side of the coin. It's just which taking two people and making that relationship, those two parts. No, I agree. I, I, <coughs> I think we're kind of saying, we're saying the same thing. We are. The fact is, is that when you, when there is, when any strength is overextended, there is a point at which there are diminishing returns because I was listening to, um, <laughs> I was listening to this call me daddy uh, podcast at one point um, and it was recommended. It was very, it was a very interesting show. I mean, this girl goes over the top to prove to you something I believe she already is. Mm -hmm. now, she's got a wildly huge following. I mean, we're not even a speck on her radar. The fact is, is when she was talking to this particular therapist, though, is that she had spent so much time and energy proving to the world, to herself, to ever, to the planet, to the solar system, that she was completely an independent, self-sufficient, I don't need a man type woman. And when she wanted a relationship, she didn't know how to be intimate. Yeah. She couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and for men, when they get to the point of being so, you know, so over the top masculine or harsh or tough or whatever, it just, it does breed into some toxicity in their life that that is not to say that all masculinity is toxic because it's not it's another category that comes in to say strength overextended becomes a weakness it's and there is a diminishing return and so my um my authority see my authority in my home as a man as a husband should not intimidate concern or how, what am I trying to say? It shouldn't make Jeannie feel insecure because I ha because of the authority I have in my home. And then her her independence, her rebel pride, whatever it is, shouldn't make me feel insecure. Because if you're doing that, then you're both competing. There's something you're competing for. And you don't, I mean, it's great to be an independent, strong woman. That's great. But once you get to a certain point and you start, you know, getting in that area where it is diminishing returns, then you, you kind of begin to, you, you begin to kind of, this sounds weird, but it's almost like you, you poison yourself, you corrupt you sabotage. You, that's the better you're, word. You're you sabotaging yourself Perfect. because you're already locked into what I need to be and what I need to do. And when you're trying to correct that or, you know, bring someone else alongside you to be part of that, 
you're not familiar with it, so you're going to fight against it. And it might not even be intentional. Muscle memory. Like we were talking to our son the other day. It's muscle memory. You, A lot of people, I think, look at the masculinity part as being a problem because of past experience or memories. I can use the example. I took on a family member's um, frustration and not belonging and the unworthiness that they felt from someone else in the family as my own because it's what I was raised with. It's what I saw all the time. It was the conversations that I heard. And then when I was around this other person, I felt like I wasn't worthy because I'm part of this other person. I'm part of this environment. I come from this mess. And if that's how you see them, then that must be how you see me. And I worked really hard to try and make myself fit. And I didn't need to. That person loved me for myself. What, What was going on between these two people was their issues had nothing to do with me. Right. But as a society, you know, if a man treats a woman a certain way and it becomes a public spectacle, all men of that type are like that. All men in that particular job are like that. All men who do this are like that. That's bullshit. That's like saying if I walked out in a short skirt and a tank top that I'm a hooker. I'm not. I just work out and I like my body and I'm proud of it. Yeah. But I also know that I don't do those things unless my husband's with me. There, There's a level of respect. You have to be willing to accept your own crap as your own crap. Right. You know, when, when we first got married, a lot, there was so much crap between the two of us from other people of, you know, my rebellion was a problem because I don't have a problem telling you, I don't agree with you, I don't like what you're saying, or your opinion is stupid. It's your opinion. You can have it but I'm not going to agree with it. I had no issues with that. And it started a lot of problems. You had a lot of people that thought you were like on this pedestal and you were perfect and that you would never do wrong. They don't know you because you're human. You made mistakes. There's stuff that you've done that not everybody is privy to know about. That's your business. And yet we had to come to grips with this is our situation. This is not your situation. I know those things and those mistakes that you've made because I'm allowed to know those things. Yeah. And my rebellion to you is a good thing because in places where you, at the time, you weren't able to say something, I had no problem saying it. And then you just backed me. You have to get the balance. And I don't, I think we've gotten so used to letting other people dictate. Yeah. You need to behave like this and you need to act like that. And this is what he's supposed to do. Why? My, I, I had all these things taught to me that this is the way a husband will be, and these are the things that I'm expected to do. It's a service. Just expect it. You're just going to have to do these things. But I don't feel that way. I want to do things for you. I take pride in doing things for you. I feel good when I do something and you get excited. I mean, it's an office chair, for God's sake. And you got happy because the, the point behind the office chair for Christmas was, you're working from home now, and this is how much I want you home. I'm making you a space to bring you home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's, I think a lot of times that's what it is. You're allowing other people to filter into you and tell you what you have to be and who you have to be. At what point do we decide, I'm going to do what I want to do for myself, and I don't care who it offends anymore because it's me and you. 
I'm going to be my best version of me. You're going to be your best version of you. And together, we're going to be a, the best version of us. Yeah. There's my high horse. Sorry. Soapbox. No, I. It, those are things that need to be said. And I think, uh, I think the farther society goes trying to demonize gender roles, not that everything we do is based on a gender role. I think there is definitely... There is something so healthy about some of the natural roles that come along. If somebody goes to break into our house, naturally, you know, in our relationship, the way we're made up, um, the kids are not going to run to mom because dad is the protector in our home. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with Now, if daddy's not home, daddy has provided the great equalizer for mom. So if somebody breaks in, they ain't going to be happy. Because the, f the few clicks of a trigger <laughs> and th the thing will be settled. But, you know, um, when it comes to, you know, there are, there are situations where I'm a bit more nurturing on certain topics with uh -huh. certain people. There are situations where you are, you know. But as far as, you know, tradition or cooking or just some of those things that now are looked upon as a negative um, there's just, it, it's not all bad. There is a lot, there's plenty of, there's plenty of healthy, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it way too politically correct. There's nothing harmful if you've decided within your relationship that there are, there are some more natural gender roles. That is really trying to be pushed out of society. And for us, they, there's a lot of value in a father and a mother, mm -hmm. and our kids are fortunate that they have both. Some some parents they have to do it on their own, so they are all there is. But with us, there there are certain things where one of us will take the lead, and you know we are teaching our kids the benefits of a healthy relationship, but. Because I may stand up to protect the family, it it doesn't affect it doesn't affect you as a person in the sense of it makes you feel insecure that you couldn't. If you had to, you would absolutely. But just more naturally, it would be. You know, it would be me. Well, even for you, growing up with just your mom for such a long period of time, your mom still had grandpa step in, mm -hmm. and there were certain things. I mean. Things that are taken for granted now. You open the door for a woman, whether it's your mother, your grandmother, a, a little girl, whatever it is. If there is a girl in the vicinity, you open the door. That's what grandpa did. Grandpa, if I came in the house, grandpa gets out of his seat and walks over to give me a hug. You do not walk over to grandpa. Grandpa comes to you. If, you know, um, if we were having dinner or something, grandma served him first. It's, it's the way it's always been. The, it's You went out and you worked. I'm serving you. There were certain things that were done. Now, Grandpa also corrected you because I, I remember stories of when you would snap or be disrespectful to your mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Grandpa, I, I remember the stories of hearing Grandpa say, no, this is that's my daughter and you will be respectful of her and this is what she's done for you and reiterated, yeah, she's a single mom. And this is what she's doing for you. And you will respect that and you will honor her for that. And I think so many times now, 
it, there's so many crap labels put on people. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be an at-home mom, and we got all kinds of hell for me wanting to be an at-home mom because my place was to – I because originally I wanted to go to college. I changed my mind. I love my kids. I love seeing their first. I wanted to be that person for them. I didn't have that. My mom worked my whole life. I wanted it. And we caught hell because, it, well, it's not really a job. Look, dude, trade me. Yeah. Trade me. I'll give you a week. If you think you can hang with what I dealt with, Quincy loved going to work in the morning some days because it was crazy. And it wasn't he didn't want to be around his kids. It was just easier to deal with the work situation than it was at home. You know, it's nothing that I... That I've wanted, I can't think of a time where I wanted to get out of the house. And go I can in the beginning because we were pretty, we were tired and we were grumpy and we were at each other. But the point is, I think with all of the different labels and all the different opinions and all of the societal um, rules that are now coming out or expectations that people are, are throwing on us, the younger generation that is coming in now is set on, well, I want to do this, but what if I upset that person? And they sabotage themselves because they don't want to offend anybody or upset anybody. I mean, I'm watching our daughter try to decide on college, and she's struggling because people treat her like she's bisexual or gay because she likes to dress like a tomboy. I dressed like a tomboy when I was a kid. Nobody gave me any crap for it. I mean, I dressed like a boy. I hung with the boys. I played football. I roughhoused in the grass. No one cared. But now my daughter goes out and wears a hat backwards and wears baggy clothing, and automatically she must be gay. And it frustrates her because she's not. She's just not comfortable wearing girls' clothing because she's not happy with her body. That's totally her own thing. Yeah. Let her be her and find her own person. Don't throw it on her. And it's so frustrating because then she starts trying to do things and she second guesses her decisions on things because I don't want to upset this professor or I don't want to upset this group of friends because if I say what I really think. So then she blows it and then she breaks down because she blew it. She wasn't true to herself. It just sucks. Yeah, and that's where us as parents get to come in and really teach the value in resiliency. You know, and if you get down, if you get knocked down, then you need to get, you need to stand back up. You need to, you know, to take some pride. You need to thicken your skin. Um, And that's kind of like my call to men right now is men, come back and be men. You don't have to be toxic, overbearing, and over the top. You don't have to be hateful, um, so stern that nobody wants to be around you, etc. But you need to take your position back as a man. You need to allow some of that testosterone to face forward and no longer be afraid of your masculinity because there is a value in that. And part of that, it I don't know even know how we got here. I don't know how we got so far off the path to a sec- the secret of marriage, but for us, you know, when my when I allow my when I put my masculinity forward and I lead my family, um it's it's okay, honey. It's okay. Hunter is doing his thing with the, with the TV. When I when I do those things, when I embrace me as a man, it just helps me to love you as a woman. And you know, while there are things you want to lead on, there are still things where it's like I want you to lead 
in these particular areas. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I'm not going to accept anymore any kind of fear of masculinity. I'm not afraid of women. I'm not afraid of smart women. I'm not afraid of women that are independent and that can go out and get the job done. We're raising them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. We are raising those kinds of women. Um, but it's, it needs to be noted. It needs to be, it needs to be spoken that when, at some point, strength overextended becomes a weakness and there are diminishing returns where it can sabotage your ability to build those meaningful relationships that you want. And I think it's very important for us to really talk through that. Um, I've seen, I myself have seen, and I have laughed at guys who did have, who were dabbling or fully swimming in the pool of toxic masculinity. It's stupid. But when us guys get around each other, there's just ego. It's there. Yeah. You know, we're, we're poking our chest hey, out. Women are no different. We really aren't. We just say it in a different way. We get more catty about it. You guys kind of make jokes and, you know, you banter back and forth. Women get catty. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. With that being said, you know, I'm, I don't know what caused us to make a right turn and start driving, but uh, I'm glad that we did because these are some things that need to be said. You know, men, be men again. Stand up for your relationship. Use intentionality. Use action. Take feedback. Learn to communicate. Have great sex with your wife. And allow the foundation of all of this to be commitment. To be committed to what you're doing. And that's how we got there because yeah. it's not it's not popular right now. And I'm going to attack it head on. Well, and if you're can't if you're not committed to yourself, how are you gonna be committed to your spouse? How are you gonna be committed to your kids? You have to be committed to know yourself, to learn who you are and to make the best possible you you can. Yeah. And if you're a part of the the Women Haters Club or you're a, a gal listening to this and you're a part of the Man Haters Club, I would just, I and I don't know your history, but I'm going to say this. I would resign from the organization and understand that uh, one person can't be held, you know, can't, like, poison the waters of every other person out there. They, you know, it's it's hard because sometimes it's like, oh, that, it, there are situations that will affect you for the rest of your life. Um, based on your experience with somebody. But there's another way. There is a way, and it involves you being free. It involves you being productive. It involves you becoming that best person because life is too short. It's too short to allow fear to rule your life. I'm speaking to myself, too. Oh, I hear it. I'm speaking to myself, too. But let's go out and really do this. Let's go out and let's really, really take advantage of of all that this life has to offer. I think it's a fantastic opportunity, a great way for us to kick this uh, this year off. My son is so excited. He sounds like me watching an Alabama game. And that and that's why later when he tries to talk, he's going to have a scratchy voice because he is just letting yeah, it all so hang crazy. out. I'm going to tell you what, Hunter's in there living his best life right now. <laughs> he is in there living his life to the maximum. And uh, In whatever world it is. <laughs> I think spiritually it is absolutely confirmation that what we're talking about here needs to be full throttle. Because that's what that dude, he's yeah, doing it he's, in there, man. 
He is living it. He is very, very happy. He is very open-minded because there's really no other way for him to be. <laughs> yeah, come on. All right, that's it. In this episode, The Secret to Marriage, we definitely we hit the fast track to a brand-new place uh, in the podcast and just started running towards it. Um, I think we got there. And um, I invite you to um, talk to your buddies. You know, just ask them. What's the secret to marriage? I think that's the best icebreaker there is. What is the secret to marriage? What's the secret to a great marriage? And just listen. Lots of sex, but you're not going to get it unless you do these things. We can help you get there, bro. (laughs) All right. Hey, you know what I want to remember to talk about in this and the next many episodes? If you're an American, USA, baby. If you're not an American, it's all good. We got love for you, too. But if you're an American and you eat beef, it is time to support your local ranchers. I found one here in California, an excellent group of people. They're not a sponsor of the show, but I still want to rep them because since 2015, uh, the figure is like something crazy. I didn't even know we had this many ranchers. Like 20,000 ranches a year go out of business. And that, I mean, Jeannie made it, Jeannie made a great point. We're about family. We're about legacy, and that's what these ranchers do. It is a family-owned, generation-to-generation operation. And I uh, reached out and uh, met Gloria with the uh, Robert Woody Ranch in Woody, California, and she's a local rancher. And, you know, she told me the story about her ranch. It's been in the family since 1862. If that's not legacy, what is? So I decided there— that I was gonna, I was gonna buy some meat, support uh, the local beef market, support an American rancher, and then I was listening to an episode of the Graham Allen show. Fun fact: Graham Allen's an Alabama fan. I had no idea. <laughs> anyway, he had good ranchers on his program, and it's funny because that was the next day I was gonna be, you know, making the purchase with uh, Gloria. And what Good Ranchers does is they basically utilize. I think they have like 40 ranches right now that they're utilizing to get actual American-raised beef. Because th- Now, look, I didn't know this, but people, these meat packing companies can import meat from other countries, and as long as they bring it in and they cut it here in America, they can say it's a product of the USA, but it's not, and it's not supporting our local ranchers. Mm-hmm. So that's why, obviously, I'm passionate about beef because— the cute dog is a carnivore, and I eat beef. I eat tons and tons and tons of beef. But I want to support those local as well and those families and those legacies. And wherever you are in whatever country you reside, find local producers and support them. It's their family's legacy. It's not just beef either. I mean, there are a lot of places out here that we've found that have chicken and pork that they you can buy you know, the same way. But just listening to them and hearing their stories over the phone and talking to these people, why wouldn't I want to sew into that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Support your local legacy. That's what I'm going to call it. The local legacy. Support it. Um, We're about to get 435 pounds of beef, which is very exciting. Time to clean the freezer. It is. It's very exciting. And uh, it's it's grown here. It's in the, the Kern Hills. And... I just went over and checked real quick to see if they had a website. This is all informal. I just told Gloria that I was going to talk about 
her ranch. If you met Quincy, if he supports it, he's going to support it. So here we go. There you go. <laughs> the Robert Woody Ranch. Eventually, we're going to take the family over there to visit. Mm-hmm. We're going to meet her, her family, her grandkids, her children. Hunter will love that. He will. To see the process. Oh, he would he love will. it. He will. He will. And uh, and it will be, it'll be absolutely fantastic. So um, I'm going to keep talking about this at various parts of the show, just so you know. But go out and support your local ranches. Go out and support your local farmers your, and just your uh, farm markets that come out too yeah. we've got one out here that had to shut down a little bit because of weather but it's getting ready to kick back up though the local orchards and things around here it's a big deal it's yeah. a big deal that's their their legacy but it's also their livelihood it really is and i and i think it's very important you know i still buy off amazon i still buy from walmart there are people there that are working so it does support people that have a business and i'm a free market capitalist you know to my core I also, though, where I can, want to support local legacy. That's what it's all about. Okay, that's it. You got anything else, babe? Nope. Okay. Well, that's it for this episode of Man vs. Marriage. That's Jeannie Moran over there. And this is Quincy Moran, a.k.a. the Q-Dog. And this is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.